0: Welcome to The Only Thing That Matters, getting your startup to product market
1: fit here on Chicago Founders TV. We bring you Hall of Fame level founders, interviews with them about how they nailed product market fit and the lessons they learned to help you get your own startup there. Today's episode features Al Goldstein, serial entrepreneur best known for founding Avant, a consumer fintech unicorn, as well as Innova, a public fintech company. Al starts his founder Stories interview by detailing how Nova was founded in the brick and mortar world and how nailing that model enabled them to more quickly and effectively nail product market fit in the online world.
0: So we actually didn't start as a technology company. We started as a brick and mortar financial services center based in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, And so I left investment banking to go and drive up to Kenosha every morning at 7 in the morning and come home at 9pm at night. So my hours didn't change that much from investment banking. But the idea was pretty simple the savings and loans had left the sphere uh, through the savings and loan crisis, and banks started to really pull back from providing small dollar credit to consumers. And so there was this massive hole that was forming.
1: And, and how did you see that? I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense, but what, what gave you, how did you, you see that opportunity? Because there's a lot going on.
0: So originally we were looking at different ideas, and Dave, who's my co-founder, had a friend of a friend that had these financial service centers in Arizona that were doing well. And so we just started looking at the category. And uh, we did a whole bunch of research, built a business plan.
1: So the original business, if I were reading the original business plan right here, what would it have said to me? What would it have told us?
0: It was Innova, but in the brick and mortar setting. So we would open locations. Was it like a
1: rollout or rollout of these sorts? Of
0: that was exactly our strategy. We would do one location, figure out the economics, figure out the strategy, the turnkey setup, do a second location, and then try to do 20. So I opened and closed the, the, the first store seven days a week for three months. And this was 7.30 in the morning till 8.30 at night hours up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It was a, You know, I, I, I think it's, a, it's the first realization I had that being an entrepreneur is substantially more challenging than being an employee just because you can never sleep, you can never give it up. I remember, I remember an interesting story. So we opened January 8th of 2004. So I quit banking October of 2003. We opened we opened in January in our first location. It was just my, me and my partner there, and we had a soft opening. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people actually just showed up and lined up, and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to provide credit. We didn't know what the underwriting was. We were just so excited that people showed up. So we gave everybody a loan. I think, <laughs> I'm very certain 100% of those loans defaulted immediately. <laughs> so it was, it was, a, it was, it was a, just the fact that we got it open and we, got the lease, got the build out. I spent way too much time thinking about the right legal structure, because that was my background. And in retrospect, I probably should have spent a lot more time thinking about how to make loans. But fairly quickly, we figured out the product market fit. The first store became profitable within a two or three month span. What was
1: the non-intuitive insight that really helped you figure that out? Like something you didn't know, you know, talking about it on the business plan, but when you're on the ground, you're like.
0: and I would say credit. The realization that in the lending business, it's all about data and analytics and how you actually underwrite consumers. Because at the time, we kept thinking, it was like, okay, are people going to come, and can we provide them credit? We forgot the part about how do you actually figure out who to lend to and who not to
1: So to. was it easier to get applicants than you expected?
0: Initially, yes. But again, none of those applicants paid. Right. It was much more challenging to figure out who was a good credit and who was a bad credit. And in the absence of that analytics and capability, you can't provide good rates to the better quality consumers.
1: How'd you solve for that?
0: So we spent a lot of time, and I spent a lot of time personally just, just looking at data and analytics and looking at correlations, going back to my math background, which I didn't think was that useful at the time, and building really basic regression models to try to figure out, okay, who, in fact, is going to be likely to pay, who is not going to be likely to pay? How so where did
1: the data come from? Was it just your store or were you able to get from other other
0: data? So initially it was just the store data. It was really basic. And uh, even when we ended up migrating online, which I know is, is coming up, we went back to the store data yeah. as the basis for our first model. What
1: was the radius like? Are those stores, you know, they, are they hyper-local or are they more broad?
0: They're pretty local and the challenge in that business is, is you know, you point out a Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, there was a war for locations. And, All the big companies, some of which had gone public, were just fighting for the best location. In retail, it's all location, location, location.
1: What made you go to the Internet then? Because the Internet wasn't new.
0: Internet was not new. Internet in this category was relatively new. Right. But so.
1: But when you did your business plan...
0: It was not a core part of our business. We believed that having a website that would drive people into the store was the key.
1: So what what caused you to make that shift? Because that was a big shift that changed the ballgame.
0: For sure, so we actually opened a second location in Racine, Wisconsin, which was even further from where I was living at the time, which was at my parents' because you know, I couldn't afford anything. And uh, because the first location was doing pretty well, so we opened the second location. And at the time, we had a website, which was a really basic website. My brother, who was you know, the tech wizard, helped me put it together. It was really, really basic. But we started to get applications via the web, and people would come into the store and ask us a question. It was like, why can't I just apply online? Why do I have to come into oh, the store? Interesting. And we would start to get more applications online just from really basic marketing, putting the website onto the marketing we were doing, onto a billboard. We fairly quickly realized that there was potential in just eliminating the brick and mortar and going online. So it happened quickly, but not, not uh, in a straight line. You know, it, it was more of that zigzag that you talk about. So we opened... January of 2014, our first store. We opened uh, June of 2014, our second store. We launched online in June of 14. Mm. So we, we, at the time, uh, my brother was still at Siebel Systems out in the Valley. We convinced him to join the cause because I didn't know anything about technology at the time. And he took a leave of absence. He didn't trust me enough to actually quit, so he took <laughs> a leave. We, we still joke about it. So, so he took a leave of absence of six months to figure out if this was going to work. And uh, we set up a little office in Lake Bluff. So now we were Lake Bluff, Kenosha, and Racine, Wisconsin. And I started very quickly spending a lot more of my time online. And the stores did okay, but it was clear to me that the online business was the way that we were going to scale and beat the brick-and-mortar companies that were better at location, had more money, had more scale, and probably a better formula.
1: But your time to know was fairly quick.
0: It went pretty quick because the market opportunity was massive and we had a simple premise. We wanted to be the white hat operator, provide a product that was clean, transparent, empowered the consumer, and nobody else really was doing that. And then we got product market fit. We started to figure out what that actually meant. And so we got customer adoption. And you know, the business kind of went like this. Our biggest challenge was making sure we could actually find the capital to fund it.
1: A few years later, Al co-founded Avant. In the next clip, Al describes the founding story of Avant as well as how they leverage data to nail product market fit.
0: Yeah, so, so John and Paul were, I, I think in the, probably the 2011 class of YC, and uh, they had a great business, but to their credit, I think they fairly quickly realized that the economic model of the business just didn't quite work, and so they were looking to figure out what to do next.
1: And is the economic model, does not work because in subprime you need scale?
0: No, so they, they were doing something completely different. They were trying to build mint.com or subprime. Got it. They, it. And they just kind of figured out that it was hard to get consumers to pay for that service. So either you had to go really big and get advertising dollars or sell to into it. And ideally both. And that's kind of already been done by Mint. Mm-hmm. So they were looking to figure out how to pivot. And uh, for a long time, you know, this this whole trend that we saw with Inova, which is banks pulling back from providing small dollar loans to consumers, had only accelerated with Massive regulation, all the banks got hurt through the financial crisis. We had spent a lot of time thinking about it, looking about it, looking at it. There was this huge opportunity to come in and take the place that banks once served. And that's where Avant was born. We just kind of agreed that, look, we'll take the business that you'd built, which actually has a lot of things that we can leverage to launch faster. We'll kind of change the scope of the business, equitize some of your existing investors, make sure that they're happy but really build something really, really big and exciting in FinTech.
1: And it's a little like it. Capital One built a really big business in a not dissimilar space. Different, but not dissimilar. When I first, you and I first sat down, you said, think of Ivan as Capital Two on the internet. Talk about um, a little bit the idea, because this is a big idea. Um, why so big? What can this be and, and, and you know, um, where the idea really came from.
0: So, so we are actually fortunate enough to have one of the two co-founders of Capital One as one of our investors. So, so he's given me the right to use that Capital Two phrase. But it, I, I think it's great homage to what Capital One accomplished oh, yeah. over a very long period of time. They built an amazing business really focusing on using data and analytics to serve middle-class consumers around the world. And that's what we're trying to emulate. Avant's mission is really, really simple. We have very quickly become the leading online lending marketplace, platform, providing credit solutions to middle class consumers. And that's what we're trying to try to build. And we think if we can accomplish that goal globally, we could just build a massive business because the universe is gigantic. The market is massive. So in a lot of ways, we are actually competing with Lending Club and Prosper, but their focus on the consumer side is one, to a customer that's upmarket. The average consumer at Lending Club or Prosper makes about $100,000 a year has a credit score that's about 710 or higher, which is a customer that banks actually do want to provide credit to. So they're competing with banks. They are competing with banks. And we are also providing credit to that customer, but our average consumer has about a 650 or 660 credit score, which is right at the average, and is making between kind of 40 dollars to $100,000 a year, but really on average about 60, which makes up about 50% of consumers in this country. So we believe we have a much broader category. We don't charge upfront fees to the consumer. Lending Club and Prosper do, because that's just their model. And then we also take risk, which means that we not only originate loans, and, uh, and I don't know if everyone here is familiar with Lending Club or Prosper. Lending Club is now a public company. Take risk and sell it to investors. We also hold risk, which means we have skin in the game, hmm. which is, I think, Why a Why did you make
1: that decision? Because you've raised a lot more capital because of that. You're really a finance company.
0: We, we're— we're financial technology company. So we're we really a technology company which is providing a financial product. But
1: you're actually underwriting the risk.
0: No question. I think, well, for one... What what you to that? way? Well, for one, pe- people lose sight of the fact that Lending Club and Prosper are 10-year-old companies. For eight years, they could never scale because they didn't have any data and they weren't willing to take their own risk. We said, we don't want to wait 10 years. We're willing to take our own risk. Yeah. And once we get data, then we'll find investors that want to be part of our marketplace. And that's where we are Interesting. Today.
1: So talk a little bit about product market fit on Avant. What was that experience like? How did you figure it out? Obviously, you had a sense of the market, but how did you, how'd you, how'd you nail that?
0: So the premise for Avant for, from day one was we were going to be able to use more advanced data and analytics than even Inova had done and use that to provide better products at lower rates to consumers. Because the challenge was our cost of capital was high. Banks cost of capital is virtually zero. The only way to bridge that difference was going to be through much better data. And so we spent a lot of time early investing in data and how to actually underwrite consumers using more advanced technology. What that's allowed us to do is actually compete with banks directly in terms of providing better products. Hmm. And so.
1: So you're lower cost, you a lower cost, you a lower cost structure. We already. have
0: substantially better operating margins, and uh, our cost of capital is still substantially more expensive, even though that, that gap is narrowing but we're just substantially better at figuring out who is a good credit and who is a bad credit. And if we can break those into two.
1: That's no small feat, I mean these banks are big and sophisticated, that's impressive.
0: Definitely, and, uh, but they also are the subject of legacy infrastructure and legacy systems. And the technology which I think we're all talking about and big data and machine learning are probably two of the most overused and I would say misused terms in all of venture, actually applying the techniques correctly yields amazing results, and I would say in all verticals. And that's what we're trying to do.